0: Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep With Me podcast, the podcast that puts you to sleep. I'm dear Scooter, and I want to help you fall asleep tonight. Now, the Sleep With Me podcast is something I made for people that have trouble getting, to, getting getting to bed at night. You know, if you're tossing and turning or thoughts are racing. I've been there. So this is for you. Basically, tonight I'm going to talk about uh, Season 4, Episode 6 of The Walking Dead, but I'm only going to talk about the boring parts, not stuff that happened in the episode. It should be engaging enough for you to listen and enjoy for a little while, but it'll slowly get more and more boring, and hopefully you won't be thinking about work or your relationships. You'll be sound asleep. Now you can find us on the web at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. And we do need your help if you can review or rate us on iTunes or let someone know about the podcast, I Can't Sleep at Night. I think it's like 99.9% of the world, uh, it seems like, when I'm searching on uh, Twitter. Um, and if you do, let me know and I'll send you a bonus episode. Bob from The Walking Dead singing Under the Sea. And i really appreciate it, too. And you can reach me on Twitter at, at Dearest Scooter, Dearest Scooter, with some sibilance. Hope that's not bothering your ears. And you can get me at sleepwithmepodcast.com. Just email Dearest Scooter at sleepwithmepodcast.com. And thanks for listening. Tonight, we're doing Live Bait, Season 4, Episode 6 of The Walking Dead. And here's, here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to answer two questions. One, why do pirates wear eye patches? Or why are so many pirates patch worthy? No patch necessary. Whatever. And why did the governor burn down Woodbury anyway? Other than he's stark raving mad. We're going to talk about Gorobelli and the founder. We're going to talk about. Hotels and motels, but mostly Holiday Inn. I was, thinking, I, I, I was going to give you some legal advice that's not legal advice and talk about living wills and DNRs. But I just decided that's way too depressing if you can't sleep to be hearing about that stuff. plus it's kind of politically charged and I don't want to get anybody um, bent out of shape. So we'll skip that and we'll talk about some ingredients in a, a product that was featured multiple times on this episode. So settle in, put your phone down, pull those covers up high or low. Make sure your eyes are closed and the lights are out. I won't scare you. And get ready to fall asleep with me. Okay, so what's up with the eye patches and pirates? Um, those of you with moderate intelligence are. More intelligent than me, so middling intelligence might know the answer to this. But I think I had probably been told it and already forgot it, because I was like, when I was looking it up today, I was like, wait, a, can't, the pirates couldn't have suffered that many eye injuries comparable to the population of that time, could they? So I looked up on the web and I found this great article on mental floss about it. You know, basically, it does back that, but it has nothing to do with mi- missing eyes; it has to do with the ability to see above deck and below deck. According to mental floss, Jim Sheedy, a doctor at the Vision Performance Institute, he told the Wall Street Journal, you know, that the eye, it can take up to 25 minutes for your eye to adapt when going to bright light to darkness and darkness to bright light because it requires the regeneration, regeneration of photopigments. So pirates, you know, were always going up and down deck and they never knew when someone was going to stab him in the chest with a cutlet, Cut, cutless, getting stabbed with a cutlet would, wouldn't hurt at all unless it was piping hot, but so they would switch it from one eye to another when they were going up and down below deck. Now, mental floss, they don't mess around, so they did note there's no first person sources for this from history that stated as fact. I mean, there's no question that that technique would work. And they said that Mythbusters tested it on an episode and determined it was plausible, but they couldn't confirm it. There's no historical sources. But certain military and FAA manuals do recommend holding a hand over an eye or covering an eye when you're turning on bright lights. So it, that, that makes sense, man. Pirates are smart dudes. And what about our Pirate. The governor—he was so nice this episode, but we're not going to get into that because that was interesting. We're going to get into why would he go and burn down Woodbury? Now, sure, I'm sure there's a lot of theories out there that make perfect sense, but they don't have the inside scoop like I do. It was the real reason he burned it down was he was hiding something, and it was related to a hobby he had that predates the zombie apocalypse. And he didn't want anyone to find out about this hobby. And God forbid Michonne or Rick found out about it. And one, other, one thing kind of runs parallel to his hobby is that we learned is that the governor's got game, man. I mean, he's the only person that's had multiple partners other than uh, Lori, who's not with us anymore. And, I mean, if you imagine he probably had partners before that. I mean, that they were in bed. I, I, I was pretty surprised by that. But anyway, so Governor's a sexual person. Let's leave it at that. And this is what it has to do with his secret. To pass time, both in his miserable cubicle life, and then once the apocalypse hit, he was writing Pirate Erotica. And he, I guess he He was really good at it. You know, he didn't fall into, like, easy cliches like The Pirate's Booty or Dead Man's Chest. Uh, And, like, One-Eyed Willie, obviously. Uh, He created this character, this lustful hero named Flynn Darkbeard. And Flynn was, like, half Earl Flynn, the tip of the cap there, the tip of the pirate hat or whatever, and half like a Bluto from Popeye. And the he's churning out books of this erotica. You know, it's getting him through the days. I mean, and he was just as productive once the zombie apocalypse, apocalypse once, once the zombies hit. He didn't just give it up, but he follow good old darkbeards traveling around the world seducing women, stealing gold seducing women and he had this take on it that he was a man women would both fear and desire take what he wants if it wasn't for the zombie outbreak we could he could have been looking at you know, a seven figure deal for the next Twilight or self published and been like E.L. James and the Fifty Shades of Grey. he had this whole side of Flynn Darkbeard, this sensitive, vulnerable side. You know, he showed to the women, probably right before he hit him or something crazy, but um, I think this is probably why he burned Woodbury down, is because can you imagine Rick and Daryl and Michonne reading through this, like, getting into the governor's bedroom? I mean, that would be a laugh. Oh, hello, milady. They'd be do. They'd probably dress up for him as Halloween, even though, as far as I can tell, they don't celebrate Halloween. But so that's why he burned down Woodbury. He wears an eye patch because he's got no eye. But that that answers those questions. Next up, Gorebelly. Most of us remember it from being a kid, and their tagline and their commercials, Gore-Belly, which was stolen by Menon in a big lawsuit. But a lot of you guys might be too young to remember. Gore-Belly, but it sticks with you. In your head, I can hear you thinking it right now. Gore-Belly. But the founder of Gore-Belly was this man, Hans Zimmer Gore-Belly. He was uh, Italian-German heritage, obviously. He was a World War One vet that fought in the trenches. And the, the food that he had to endure inspired him after the war. He became a pioneer in food preservation. Okay, mostly chemicals that turned out to be cancerous. But at the time, it was breakthrough stuff. And he kept inventing stuff. Up until, like, the 1960s, almost every shelf-stable sta- convenience product had to go through a Gore patent. And so in the 1960s, though, he sold out to, I don't know, one of the big big agricultural firms. I don't know if it was ConAgra or ADM or some precursor, one of those companies, but for a bunch of dough, obviously. And then he kind of disappeared off the food preservative a list, if you will. But I was always obsessed with him. He's like my white whale as a child because I had a sensitivity to food preservation chemicals. And I wrote oh, about 10 years ago, maybe, I wrote a musical about him because I looked into what he'd been up to. And he was one of those evil geniuses. And inspi- this musical was kind of inspired by Urine Town. Gorbelly was this evil scientist in the musical um, and allegedly in real life. Gorbelly Estates LLC or whatever before you start suing me. So Hans Zimmer Gorebelli is this evil scientist and he gets hired by this faceless corporate big box store in the family that runs it and it's called L Smart, A-L apostrophe S M-A-R-T with the double smart in there and what Gorebelly had done they want you know they're like do you have any evil ways that are really cheap to increase productivity and Gorebelly had created this machine and I don't know how it works I'm not an evil genius but they would pull souls of the nearly departed and it can insert them into like entry level workers and it would up their productivity by like 47% and what corbelly realized is for some reason celebrity souls for some reason celebrity souls would up the productivity to like 68 72% so somehow don't ask me how some kind of magic science magic he's downloading these celebrity souls into regular human workers at Alsmart and everything's Go and is a test run here in somewhere in Illinois. And this is right around the time that uh, Princess Di passed away and JFK Jr. And up until the experiment, he didn't think the souls could become sentient inside the human host. They were just there to up the productivity with some kind of celebrity mojo. So this is all in musical form, which I'm not going to do to you tonight, but you know, so the crazy thing, the twist, my whack twist there was that uh, uh, Princess Di got downloaded into like more of a middle manager type store manager. And Dodie and JFK Jr., they were just um, janitorial staff. And it was all their first day at work. I mean, Princess Di had gotten some kind of two-week corporate training. And, you know, there's like a song like the Al Mart shuffle. That was like the orientation song. And I don't have any experience in musical and music. I mean, you've heard me sing if you've listened to other episodes. But the highlight was, you know, Doty was still... Doty and JFK Jr., you know, there's some slapstick and yada, yada, yada. Doty's not having this working for the man thing. And then he realizes that he's in love with Princess Di. That's his, his woman... And meanwhile, she's a total corporate stooge. And everything goes wild. And then it basically ends in a song, which, of course, I don't have the rights to. And for some reason, I don't even know the name, so I've put it in the show notes. And and even when I was writing the musical, I'd be like, what is the name of that song? But it culminates with, like, Doty, JFK Jr., and some sort of great battle. And they're standing triumphant. And Doty rips off his, um, his, what do you call those things, like vest apron vest for Al's Mart and he's singing this song that culminates in Doty Doesn't Work Here Anymore I, I don't know whose song that is is like Joan Jett or it's probably someone really cool because I, I remember the song but Doty Doesn't Work Here Anymore Billy Idol, I don't know so that is a ton of stuff about Hans Zimmer Bradley or Hans Zimmer Gorebelly you don't need to know what else don't we need to know? So, the word Holiday Inn came up on this episode. And I don't know if they paid for it or not, but I was like, oh, let me look into it. Does the Holiday Inn have a checkered past like Gore does? Well, no, it doesn't. It was founded by Kemins Wilson. He was from Memphis, Tennessee. This is all via Wikipedia. And he had just had some Clark Griswold, National Lampoon-esque, horrible family road trip to D.C. with all these dirty motels, and he decided to do things differently That he'd be able to do it. And so in 42, he opened a motel and they named it Holiday Inn as a joke, after the uh, Bing Crosby Fred Astaire flick, or I guess as with Wikipedia it's contradicting itself, but and it, 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 whatever, doesn't matter. Then he partnered up with Wallacey e. Johnson, some big shot, and they built. They decided to build three more motels, so they covered every road into Memphis. Had a Holiday Inn at it. Pretty sw- smooth guys. And it looks like they were really good friends, because when Johnson passed away, Wilsons quoted as saying: "The greatest man I have ever known died today." He was the greatest partner a man could ever have. So, pretty sweet thoughts. In 56, 1956, there was 23 holiday ends, and seven more opened that year. In fifty seven, Wilson franchised the chain, and he wanted everyone to follow the tenant, that it should be standardized, predictable, family-friendly, and readily accessible to road travelers. Was, oh, and clean. I was like, I don't see clean in there. So, thanks a lot for the homogenization, bro. The, the places are clean. They got me. And they usually have pool. Back in the day, they did. They they were called the Nation's Innkeeper. Not like that other company that leaves the light on for you. I like that one better, but... Uh, they branched in some other stuff. It was crazy to learn. You know, they had, in the 60s, like, uh, campgrounds. And they were called uh, travel parks. They opened some nursing centers, which couldn't have gone well. They owned Continental Trailways, The Bus, Delta Queen, and they even had a television production company that syndicated country music shows. Eventually in the 80s, they started hitting up against some uh, corporation corporate challengers for that uh, part of the market. So, you know, they lost some of their dominance, but they also had... MC Suites, Crown Plaza, Homewood Suites, Hampton Inn, Milford Plaza, The Lullaby of Old Broadway. If you watch WPIX, you'll get that reference. In 88, they were bought by Bass Beer. And then eventually they were sold off to Intercontinental, or Bass acquired Intercontinental, spun it off. I don't know how all that junk works. And then. They did a reboot in two thousand seven, and they tried to relaunch the brand without motels, just hotels. But one of the things they're famous for, I don't know if I actually even saw one of these signs. What was their great signs, which were these big signs? I'll put a picture up in the show notes. Speak with sleep dot com, and it was like one of those really cool neon signs it was green and had like arrow that lit up and a star that lit up and its its lettering was like all cur- cursive with you know lights up i mean that that's still cool i think neon rules you can quote me on that they said he, that wilson picked out the son, the colors of the sign cuz his mom liked those were her his favorite colors of course, in 82, as soon as um, Wilson either stepped down or retired or whatever, the corporate stooges were like, all right, let's get rid of these signs that cost too much money. And he said it was the worst decision they ever made. And he loved the sign so much he had it engraved on his tombstone. And I mean, I wish I could have one of these signs. And uh, I guess it was like a while where there were no intact signs. In 2006, somebody found a complete sign... It was disassembled, but it had everything. Then Minnesota, they found one. And it was restored to its glory. And that one is on display at the National Save the Neon Signs Museum in Minot, Minot, North Dakota. North Dakota is a great state, by the way. But I haven't been to that museum. But if I'm in North Dakota again, I'm checking it out. There's also... A sign they found in Las Vegas that stands outside the New American Sign Museum in Cincinnati, Ohio. Maybe I could get to there. There's a sign now. Another intact and operating sign is at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. And a private collector in Kentucky has one. So that'll be my first stop if there's a zombie apocalypse. I'm going to get that sign. And that's like really one of those classic things. I guess it's kind of ironic because uh, it was this Ameri- piece of Americana that was actually cool, created by a company that was trying to homogenize and standardize motels, and then that kind of attitude killed the sign off because probably like not everybody's going to keep all their lights lit. Things are going to get dirty. It a bunch of bread. So what created the sign also extincted it or caused it to be extinct for you English majors. As I said earlier, I have about six pages on living wills and do not resuscitate stuff. I'm not going to go through it. I'm not going to put you through it. Let's just look at pepperoni sticks or those type of meat sticks you get at San uh, convenience stores. What's in them? And this is from Wired Magazine. Beef is one ingredient and they say it's it's beef but the US Department of Agriculture categorized beef into eight grades of quality. The bottom three, utility, cutter, and canner, are typically used and they call it from older steers with possi- partially ossified vertebrae, tougher tissue, And that's all they could get out of the company that makes this particular pepperoni stick. Partially ossified vertebrae. I don't even know what that means, but nasty. Mechanically separated chicken, next ingredient. That's that pink slime we've seen, the chicken pink slime. Corn and wheat proteins. we got plenty of that in the U.S. of A., Lactic Acid Starter Culture. Let's say it it ferments the sausages, like salami and pepperoni, because it uses bacteria and sugar to produce lactic acid, which lowers the pH of the sausage, firming up the meat and hopefully killing all bacteria. Dextrose, which serves as food for the lactic acid starter culture. Salt binds the water molecules, leaving a little H2O for microbes, and preventing spoilage. One Slim Jim gives you one sixth of your day's sodium, so especially if you're on the run. I don't know how many calories are in. I should have looked it up but I didn't. But you know, salt and calories. Sodium nitrate cosmetically added because it combines with the myoglobin and animal tissue to keep it from turning gray. It also inhibits botulism. But 6 grams of the stuff, according to Wired Magazine, the equivalent of 1,400 Slim Jims, can kill you. So that's not good either. Hydrolyzed soy. Breaks up larger soy protein molecules into their constituent amino acids, such as glutamic... Glutamic acid typically the process results in msg and that's why it tastes so good so that's it for this episode i don't have any boring lists i mean if you stay awake through that holiday in nonsense um you know just relax why don't you try doing something like where you squeeze your feet Squeeze your toes and your calves and then your kneecaps. And yeah, squeeze your kneecaps and hold it and let it go. Now you're drift on the sea. And go ahead and pucker up your face and be glad no one can see you and release. And make your biceps real big and strong, and hold, and release. And when you release, why don't you breathe out. And if you're sleeping next to someone, they're gonna kill me. Okay, squeeze your butt cheeks and hold, and hold, and hold, and hold, and, hold and release. Firm firm butt. You owe me for that one. Um what else can we squeeze? Triceps. Don't overextend your elbows. Okay, squeeze those and release. Okay, now give yourself a big hug. Tell yourself it's gonna be okay. We all got worries. And if you if you doubt that. I'm really serious about creating a community of people to help each other fall asleep. I've searched on Twitter. If you search insomnia, it's crazy. So if you really can't sleep, get up out of bed. Go on Twitter if you use that and say, hey, I can't sleep either, man. What are you, do? What are you trying? This lame podcast said it was going to get me to sleep, and now I not only can I not sleep, I'm singing Gore Belly. So see if you can find some other tips to help other people out if you think I suck. And get some milk. Or read a book. But know that insomnia and sleep problems won't last forever. And you just got to get through tonight. And things are going to get better. Okay? Good night.